with launching the different churches is I, I do have a vision uh, of of launching churches. I really believe in it and um, promote it. But each church is started because someone has felt called by God and there's been opportunity that's been divine, really. God sets it up and and we see the evidence of the Holy Spirit uh, creating the opportunity and creating the uh, and calling the individuals to be part of the launch team, and so in in one sense, yeah, we, we're planning it, we're 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 looking forward to launching churches, but the actual churches are all completely supernatural. You know, um, the whole thing, the whole story down in, in Vandalia is completely supernatural. And uh, uh, South Carolina is completely supernatural. And, and Vine, we've been doing a work there for years with the student ministry um, and the desire to start a church. But the, the getting of the building and the vision behind all of that, uh, the Gerbers called it God's building. And so it's, it's a supernatural work. And so I just kind of want to share with you that that balance between... You know, we have a vision to do something. We believe that vision is God-inspired, but then the actual doing of it, we really are dependent on God doing it. <laughs> you know, it's not just us coming up with a plan and implementing it. It's kind of, it was a, in every case, it's like it happening and us trying to keep up. Oh wow! God's created this opportunity. How can we? How can we uh, embrace it and chase after it and make it happen? Well, and that really ties in with what we're talking about this uh, morning, as well as this this month and this quarter. This month's series is being an, an ambassador, an ambassador for Christ, and it's part of all quarter of the series, the year-long series that we've been doing on. Um, our core values of uh, the summed up in the FIRE acronym, and we're just going to run through it just so that uh, you guys get really tired of hearing it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, But the F stands for the Father Heart Message, that we are a church that really um, uh, values and integrates the idea that God is a loving Father and that we are called a relationship with Him as our loving Father. And uh, the Father's love revealed through the Lord Jesus Christ. The I stands for intimacy. God, don't you love electronics? Oh, maybe if I just stand right here. Intimacy with God and one another. And so that's hearing God's voice. You know, intimacy is built on communication. And a big part of that is hearing God's voice. But it also involves all forms of communication and prayer and developing an intimate relationship with, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, and also with one another. Uh, and so we talked about that. Restoration, we did a whole quarter on dealing with heart issues, healing uh, issues, and it's a big part of our ministry. We value it. And in this quarter, we're talking about extending the kingdom through equipping, anointing, and empowering the Holy Spirit. So uh, this, this final quarter, the last few months of the year, is really, really important because fire without the E is just fur. <laughs> it's a bad joke, but it's real popular amongst partners and harvest pastors. So we, we talk a lot. It's like, you know, first is a shrub. <laughs> I was thinking about it this morning. It's like, you know, Moses, when he was in the desert, he saw the burning bush. But what if it wasn't on fire? 
It would have been just another fir tree. <laughs> just, just a little bush, you know. Wouldn't have caught anybody's attention. Wouldn't have changed the world. And that's the same thing. We need the E aspect of fire. And the E is, um, is, is about extending God's kingdom. And we're going to be talking about this for the next number of weeks. And uh, it's part of this idea, maybe you've heard of it before, it's actually kind of a common, John or not speaks of it all the time, almost every time I, I'm with John I hear him talking about the, the three journeys in life. And there's an inward journey of discovering yourself, and part of that is experiencing that Father's love, experiencing personal forgiveness, experiencing your own salvation. It's the work of God in you as you walk with God deeper into yourself and discovering and some of what was shared this morning. You're sharing you know, secrets. There's no secret with God. But sometimes we have to realize that. And so there's this inward journey of, of dealing with your stuff. And then there's an upward journey in life where we're called to, and this would be the intimacy and hearing God's voice and experiencing God, uh, discovering God through worship, through His Word, through His power and His presence. It's, it's, it's not just experiencing inward stuff, in, in, discovering yourself, it's discovering God. And it's, it's being called to know Him and to walk in heavenly places and to, to experience the power and the majesty of God. And you know, that's what worship is about. That's what, you know, some, uh, many people and uh, connect with God and discover His majesty as they're searching Scripture and they just go, wow, God's so huge and it's so incredible. And that's a journey through life that doesn't end. You know? And sometimes you get on a plateau and just be patient. You know? If you walk on a plateau soon enough, you're going to come to a ravine or a mountain. <laughs> you know, just don't stop. Right? It's a journey. Same with the inward journey. And, this, and then the outward journey is discovering our calling to embrace and transform the world, connecting with uh, uh, those whom God's called us to love. And so there's an inward journey, there's an upward journey, uh, but then there's an outward journey. And that's the journey of getting outside of yourself. Alright? And regardless of how much you experience God in the upward journey, there's a point at which God says, Hey, did you notice all the people around you? You know, guess what? You can be used by Him to change people's lives. You know, and that those those that outward journey may be just to your kids or your spouse for a season or, or your coworkers or your neighbors. It just uh, it, it changes depending on, on on the stage of life and where you are. God's called all of us to all three journeys: inward journey, upward journey, outward journey, and we really experience all of them consecutively or or, or at the same time. <clears throat> Conse- not consecutively, concurrently. Concurrently, simultaneously, yeah. <laughs> Not consecutively. <laughs> you can. <laughs> there are seasons, but we want to experience them all at the same time, you know. So we're constantly dealing with the Father heart stuff and hearing God's voice uh, and, and worship and, and evangelism or reaching out or sharing um, the... Uh, Truths that we that we discover in the upward and the inward journey with those uh, outward, and so this ties into our mission as a church, which is loving, learning, and leading. The E is all about the E of the fire uh, is all about the the leading aspect of it, but it's it's more than evangelism. Often you think, well, 
We're talking about evangelism. Well, yes, but it's much, much more than that. And please don't limit it to just the idea of evangelism. You know, there's one thing that Christians and non-Christians almost universally agree about is that they all hate evangelism. <laughs> right? Christians and non-Christians, they all hate evangelism. <laughs> so, uh, it's really about extending the kingdom of Jesus Christ, reproducing His reign in our lives and our communities. That's what, It's extending the kingdom. So it's, it's a lot bigger than just getting someone to say a sinner's prayer, or even just getting someone to accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. As important as that is, that's really just one aspect in this grand scheme that God has implemented to to redeem the whole world. And that means the planet itself, as well as the the entire system. God's going to bring redemption, because He's a Redeemer. To the salvation extends to erasing every um, every residue of the curse. All right, God's going to bring redemption. All right, and so <clears throat> it involves transforming every aspect of our personal lives, our family lives, as well as extending that then outward to our community to more accurately reflect the nature and the character of God. So it's, it's really taking what we experience of God and reproducing it in our lives. Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And so prioritizing God's kingdom, His rule, His reign, all right, and His righteousness uh, in our lives enables all of our other needs to be met. Right? And this is the primary message of Jesus Christ. It says that He went about teaching the kingdom of God. Right? And so the message of Christ, if you refer to Paul and throughout the epistles talking about the message of Christ, well, what was the message of Christ? The message of Christ wasn't so much about Jesus Christ. It was the message Christ preached. And the message Christ preached was the kingdom of God coming. And the establishment of the rule and reign and righteousness of God in the earth through individuals. Does that make sense? Okay, so the kingdom of Christ and the message of Christ is, is all about kingdom. So we want to talk a little bit about kingdom and what that means and what that means especially in the, in the, in the realm or the idea of extending that kingdom because the E is extending the kingdom of God. Jesus uh, commissioned his disciples. This is at the end of the book of Matthew in the New Testament, the account of Jesus' life. And so this is the conclusion, right? This is the, 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 what the whole book has been working toward. And Jesus had already been crucified. He had already resurrected. He had spent uh, many days appearing to his disciples, to others. And so, uh, the, the, experience of the cross, the experience of the resurrection had happened, and He's about to ascend into heaven. So these are the last words that Jesus spoke to His followers. He says, Jesus came and spoke to Him saying, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father uh, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So that's, those are Jesus' 
final words. He says, all authority has been given to me. Well, let's just look at what that means. The word authority is jurisdiction. Alright? So, all jurisdiction. What does jurisdiction mean? Can you say that? Jurisdiction. Worry of authority. authority. Alright? So, if I'm driving down the highway and an Ohio police officer pulls me over, you're going to go, what? You don't have any authority here. Who do you think you are? And he pulls out his gun and you say, yes, sir, I'll do anything you <laughs> Right? So there's jurisdiction. Or, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a police officer here and you go to Canada, guess what? You have no jurisdiction. You can't tell anybody to do anything because you're outside of your jurisdiction. But Jesus' jurisdiction is all. Right? Liberty. But it means more than that. It means liberty, freedom, power, right, and strength. And kingdom... So, right, we're talking about the kingdom of God, preaching the kingdom of God. The word kingdom, the dome part of that word, if you break it apart, kingdom, it's two words, king and dome. Dome refers to the sphere or the realm where the king has rule. Right? And, and that's the root word that we get, words like dominion and dominance. Right? And so it's the area where the king has dominion. And so, Jesus' realm, or Jesus' dome, Jesus' sphere of influence, is all, all authority has been given to me. Like, this is what the kingdom is. It's everything. All authority. All jurisdiction. There is no place, there is no time, there is no setting on earth or in heaven where Jesus is not in authority. Okay? Or Jesus does not have jurisdiction. Now that doesn't mean, just like the rules of this nation has jurisdiction, that doesn't mean that everything that happens is in accordance with that jurisdiction. Right? So I can do something that violates the law and, uh, you know, maybe I'll get caught, maybe I, I won't. But I'm but the jurisdiction. And in the same way, Jesus' jurisdiction includes everything. So wherever you are, in whatever context you are, on planet Earth, you need to understand, this is the jurisdiction of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're His agent, just like a police officer or, or uh, a, a judge. Um, you're God's agent to enforce that jurisdiction. All right? You're the agent by which the jurisdiction of Jesus Christ, the authority of Jesus Christ, and let's use these other words, the liberty of Jesus Christ, the freedom that Jesus Christ brings, the strength that Jesus Christ brings, right? To deliver. So in whatever circumstance, whether it be a place of, of sin, of darkness, of deceit, of, of bondage, of, of, of cruelty, of criticism, of depression, of anxiety, fill in the blank. All of those places. Jesus' jurisdiction is complete there. And you're His agent to bring His rule, His freedom, His liberty, His power, His right, His strength, right? And so the person who's in that place doesn't have the strength, doesn't have the freedom. But guess what? 
Jesus does. And, and the whole of what we're talking about this quarter is being equipped as agents of Jesus' jurisdiction to extend His rule and reign in every place where we find our, ourselves. Paul ties this idea together with the church in uh, Ephesians <clears throat> chapter 1. Actually, in, in everything he wrote. But especially in Ephesians. And particularly, I had to pick a verse in Ephesians chapter 1, so I narrowed it down to one verse. Is that alright? <laughs> it's funny when you say something like, this is one of Paul's overarching things that he talks about is, is the power and the authority of God being manifest in and through the church. So you could pick any verse that Paul wrote. Uh, but here's just one. Ah, if I can get the clicker for it. For which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So he's talking about Jesus' resurrection and ascension and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places. So Paul is referring to what we just read about in Matthew. Okay? Jesus' death resurrection and ascension but he's saying okay this is what actually happened here this is what was what was happening in the spiritual realm this is the this is the point of it is that god what god did there was he placed jesus far above all principality and power and might and dominion are uh, ruling offices, okay? Like uh, a principality in the natural would be like a governor or a president, uh, a king, <clears throat> a Caesar. And he's saying uh, that uh, Jesus has been placed far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. In other words, from now to eternity, Jesus reigns above all other principalities, all of the powers, all of the mights, all of other dominions, whether natural or spiritual. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him, Jesus, to be the head over all... Has He emphasized everything and all things enough here? <laughs> okay. He really means it. Right? And, he, and He's repeating the idea... For the, the church in Ephesus, the same reason God repeats it for us and the same reason I'm repeating it for me in, in this church is that it's hard to remember that. When you're out in the midst of a circumstance, that it doesn't seem like Jesus is, has jurisdiction because your boss doesn't think so, or the bank doesn't think so, <laughs> right? <clears throat> or your car doesn't think so when it doesn't want to start, or the microphone doesn't think so when it doesn't want to work, Right? Or your kids don't think so when they don't want to obey. Or you don't think so when you're not wanting to obey and you're doing something you know you're not, uh, that's not healthy for you. All right? But the truth is, He put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things. And then Paul ties in to the church, all right? which is His body. The fullness of Him who fills all in all. And you might say, well, when Paul wrote this, the church was, was something amazing and beautiful and powerful and perfect. You know, the first century church was great. I'm like, have you read the Bible? The first century church argued about food. Who was getting, you know, these people were getting more food than the other people. And there was a whole dissension that we're going to have a church split because of the potluck wasn't organized right. <laughs> it was in Jerusalem. Really? Seriously? They lied about the offerings. Someone gave an offering. Lied about it. It just happened to be lying to Peter and he dropped over dead. <clears throat> His wife came in you know, hours later and said the same lie. 
as he dropped over dead, you know, they didn't kill him. It was like, oops. I'm sure that stirred up the church. <laughs> the early church wasn't perfect. There's all kinds of... But he still says, the truth is, even though it may not be evident, the truth is, Jesus reigns over all, and he's, he reigns over all in connection. We represent that reign as this imperfect collection of human beings called into this commission called the Great Commission. We represent Him. And so we, re- we are the ones that are the ambassadors to communicate and to demonstrate Jesus' jurisdiction wherever we go. And He says, All authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, <clears throat> to lead. That, that word, go, actually means and can be translated to lead. And that's where we get our mission statement, loving, learning, leading. Pretty cool, huh? Based on the Greek. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are too quiet. I gotta. I need a little laughter. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. So it means to lead, to carry over, to transfer, to pursue. Hey, remember I talked about the three journeys. It actually means this is that outward journey. This is the outward part of it. And, and don't give up. To continue on one's journey. Uh, uh, spreading uh, the dominion, the authority of Christ in whatever sphere of influence we happen to have. It's reproducing heaven and earth. And let me tell you, that commission changes the world, all right? The church has been transforming the world in countless ways for centuries. And this little video is going to talk about that a little bit. I think you need to press the button there. And, uh, and then if you hit the fill screen thing, it'll do that too. You could hit the other fill screen on the bottom of the screen. See it down there? Yeah. Video work in Jesus' name. Now, all these things work when you test them. You got to restart it. You got to go back into present. Yeah, there you go. No, no, no. Okay. Got a new computer for the Sunday school check-in, touch screen, made it a lot easier. Wow. I know it wasn't working this morning. <laughs> Worked perfectly. Maybe it's going to load. It says it's private, but it's not going to play on No. Are you signed in on the graphics? It is private if you're not signed in. For some reason, it's not recognizing it. Too bad. It's really cool. Yeah. Seriously, we have tested this at least three times. Haven't we, Tori, over the week? <laughs> Work perfectly down it. It's really good to be So this video talks about everything the church has done over the last 2,000 years in just two minutes. 
but we spent two minutes trying to get it to work. So I think we're just going to skip it. <laughs> Come to second service. We'll have it figured out by then. <laughs> yeah, we'll just jump ahead. It just talks about how the church, uh, uh, church was the first institution that uh, uh, opened a hospital. Church was, uh, was the institution that created the idea of orphanages and caring for orphans. The church has, has transformed every civilization uh, in history. Okay, and it continues to transform. And even though we're in a in a culture, an American culture, we're going to go to the next slide if possible. Um, that uh, the church's influence is declining. Let me tell you something: the church's influence is actually increasing faster than it's ever increased in the history of the world in our generation. More people are becoming Christians every day. Between 170 and 180,000 people make first-time commitments to the Lord Jesus Christ. 170,000. It's almost the population of our county. Every day. And so places like China are being completely transformed uh, because of the gospel. And other nations, many, many other... Iran, uh, I was just at the Partners in Harvest conference uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, uh, we have a lot of work in Muslim nations. And listen, there is full-blown revival happening in Iran. But you never hear about it because the government is so against it. And, like, personal friends of mine have no personal friends in Iran that have been uh, executed prison and tortured simply because they've converted to Jesus. And so we do a lot of ministry there. But it's changing. Listen, regardless of what the government tries to do to contain it, that's what China did for, for, for many years to try to contain it. And they can't. All right. Uh, Soviet Union tried to do that. Uh, uh, established an atheistic uh, country. Lasted 70 years. And they was never able to extinguish the church. All right, and so under whatever economic uh, uh, condition or political condition, uh, cultural condition, in the first century, the culture was uh, completely filled with sexual debauchery. Okay, uh, homosexuality, prostitution was completely accepted. Okay, prostitution was actually um, a part of many pagan worship. Uh, practices, okay? So think of being a Christian and sharing with your neighbor about sexual purity and the call and the importance of that in the life of the Christian when your neighbor goes to church and pays money to have sex with the temple prostitutes. Alright? And we think, and we have a difficulty, you know, thinking, oh no, the, the Supreme Court justices, you know, just, oh no, are, we've just, Maybe legalized. Did they legalize homosexual marriage? Oh, well, the world's falling apart. No, we're just actually getting more like it was in the first century. And in that situation, the church prospers. Because all of a sudden, we say the same message. And people, and people say, wow, there's an, there's an alternative? Yeah, and it's actually a lot better. Really? And it draws people in. So, the saints, don't be discouraged by it. I mean, in one sense, it's, it's a bad thing for our nation. But in another sense, it's a... Excellent opportunity for the gospel, and for transformation. Alright, so Jesus said, go, because of all authority has been given. But then he actually says, but wait. Uh, uh, and the second time that the ascension story, where Jesus rose and uh, ascended and the Great Commission is communicated, is found in Acts chapter 1. 
Uh, Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Okay, so this is the same event that we read about in Matthew where Jesus gave the Great Commission and ascended, but being told by Luke, the author of Acts, and so we get a little more information. And so Jesus presented Himself resurrected for 40 days. Um, He says, And while staying with them, He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You heard from Me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so he said, wait. So so then, uh, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And they were still thinking in natural terms. Oh, Jesus, does that mean you're going to become Caesar? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons the Father is fixed in His own authority. In other words, we're not talking about that that aspect of it right now. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. And there's some really important... So he's, he actually uh, is re-communicating or, or communicating... This is, is Luke's um, description of what uh, Matthew described in the Great Commission, go therefore into all nations. And so Jesus uh, is, is Luke's version kind of represents that a little bit differently, emphasizes a different aspect of it. But it's the same thing, that we're going to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. <clears throat> but in this account, uh, we learn that, hey, Jesus said you have to wait uh, in Jerusalem until... He ordered them not to depart, but to wait for the promise of the Father. And often the first step in going is waiting. Alright? And this is a big deal. Uh, the big idea here is, is if we want to extend the kingdom, we have to know this truth. Alright? We want to go into all the world, but we have to see how is that done. And one of the, for the early disciples, the first thing they had to do was wait. And there were actually ten days, depending on how you count it, it could be nine days, uh, nine to ten days, where they were waiting between the time when Jesus ascended, between the time when He says, Go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel, or in Luke's version, in Acts, you know, wait in Jerusalem until power comes, and then you'll have the power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and all to the ends of the earth. And they ascends, and then they're like, okay, now what? <laughs> and they were like, Peter, John, John, Andrew, Andrew, <laughs> Judas. There was another Judas. <laughs> Not that Judas. They were like, hey guys, let's go pray. <laughs> Good idea. So they were hiding in the upper room praying. So there were ten days. Can you imagine waiting? And they didn't know if it was going to be ten days, a hundred days. They didn't know. He just said, you're going to do this all over the world, but wait until the promise comes. See ya. <clears throat> so they're, they're, they're waiting. All right. That's kind of the state where they're at. And, 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 and they, their whole world had been shaken up, right? They expected Jesus to, to take over and kick out the Romans and, 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 and clean up the, the, the corruption in the, uh, in the <clears throat> religious world. And all of a sudden, they, 
he dies, and then, boy, he comes back to life. And now it's like, okay, now is it, it going to happen? And he's like, well, almost, but you have to wait. And I'm going. You wait, you're going again? <clears throat> what were they waiting for? They were waiting for the promise of the Father. Jesus talked about that in John. He says, I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper that he may abide. This other helper will abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. This goes back to the Father Heart message. I will come to you. So that's the promise of the Father. <clears throat> according to Jesus, according to the New Testament, according to this story that we base our whole life and faith on, the message of the cross is not enough to accomplish the Great Commission. Alright? We need the promise of the Father. We need the indwelling of the Holy Spirit obtained, to, obtained for us through the sacrifice of Jesus, His Son. The promise is an encounter. It's not just an idea. We need an, an encounter just like those first century disciples needed to experience the fulfillment of the promise before they were ready to go. We likewise need to experience the person of the Holy Spirit. They need to experience a person. We need to experience a person. Uh, just, just, just a couple of weeks ago, I was driving through town. There was a church and, and, you know, God bless them. But on their sign, they said Holy, the, their next message, the next teaching was Holy Spirit. And then equal sign, what is it? <laughs> so, you know, the reason I chuckle is because it's not an it. You know, if, what if I said, Bill Menser, what is it? <clears throat> it's a Bill Menser, you know, you know. And that just reveals, like, I'm like, wow. I, I, I must say, I drove by the church a little bit later and they changed the sign. <laughs> Someone gave them a call, I'm sure. I, I didn't. <gasps> it's who is it? Not what is it. It's who is it? He's a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, knowing, this is the point, knowing Jesus, even believing in the cross and the resurrection without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is the same condition the disciples were in while they were waiting. They knew Jesus. Probably better than you or I. They believed in the resurrection. They saw Him dead. They saw the tomb. And then they saw Him resurrected. But they weren't ready to change the world, were they? They needed the encounter of the Holy Spirit. They Pouring. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as recorded in Acts happened once. Okay? It was an unrepeatable event, that first outpouring, the Pentecost, just like Jesus' death and resurrection was a historical event. Right? Nevertheless, just as we must experience personally uh, Jesus Christ and experience His cross and experience the truth of His resurrection personally... You and I and everybody, I believe, in order to, to walk in the fullness of the E, of the equipping, of, of extending the kingdom, of fulfilling the Great Commission fully to our fullest capacity, we need to experience the promise. We need to encounter the person of the Holy Spirit. All right? You understand what I'm saying? I'm saying, yes, the Holy Spirit was poured out once and for all. But you know what? That doesn't really matter 
to me personally or you personally unless you personally experience it. Just like Jesus Christ died on the cross, but that doesn't mean you go to heaven until you encounter Jesus personally. And so what I'm calling for, what I'm bringing attention to, is that this great commission is a great idea. But we need to wait and receive power. We need to receive the promise and to receive the empowerment, just like the disciples. In other words, this record in the New Testament was not just to learn what happened to them. It was to instruct us what is supposed to happen to us. Alright? Does that make sense? What were they waiting for? They were waiting for the person, the promise of the Father. They were waiting for the person of the Holy Spirit. And they were waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you uh, to be my witnesses. The flip side to authority. We have authority because we're sons and daughters of, of the Lord. That are, that's our new identity obtained for us through faith in Jesus Christ. And so as a, as a son, as a daughter... Of, of the Father, we represent Him. We represent Jesus because we come in the name of Jesus. But we also need the power. And the Holy Spirit indwelling gives us the power to reproduce the, the jurisdiction, the, 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 the rule of Jesus. And so, you know, a police officer's badge is his authority, but the gun is his power. Uh, the president has authority. Right, but the military is the power to enforce that authority. Uh, we need both authority and power, and through Christ we can have both. Uh, we get the we get the authority through identity by being you know sons and daughters. You're a son, you're a daughter of the Most High God, so you have that authority. But to see that authority bring transformation in your life, in your family's life, in your community's life, you need power. Right? The church needs power. This is why the church is doing such radical transformation in other nations is because there is no substitute for the power of the Holy Spirit. The reason there's been two... I lose count every time I hear a report. It's a different number. But the last for sure report I got from Heidi and Roland Baker was over 200 medically confirmed people who were dead, medically confirmed, raised from the death. Uh, from the dead in Africa, the reason that happens is because you know if someone dies, they don't call 911; they dig a hole, and so they're willing to take you know hours or days to pray. And thousands and thousands of people die, and so a few hundred people raise from the dead. And why only a few hundred? I don't know. But when you meet, like ask Jill and Graham McCaig, they met one of those guys that were dead. And he's now a pastor. I've met one of the guys. At a, uh, that person, he was in the meeting I was at. And he had been dead. He's now a pastor. And you kind of go, wow. <laughs> we need that power, right? Uh, to fulfill the Great Commission. Uh, extending the Kingdom of God is all about waiting for the Holy Spirit uh, to empower us to do what He's called us to do. Uh, receiving the promise, the person, the power of the Holy Spirit. So that we can fulfill the Great Commission. Uh, Bill's going to come up and wrap this up for us. Welcome, Bill. Well, let's respond to the message a little bit. You know, uh, 
I'm thinking of a stool, right? A three-legged stool. Receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior is a leg to stand on. But it's not going to balance or hold the full weight of our faith in our life. You know, encountering the Father and learning the Father's love for us gives us a second leg. But still, we need a third to hold it all up. And that's encountering the Holy Spirit, you know. Abiding, you know, Jesus says in John, you know, abide in the Father, abide in me. And that is the Holy Spirit. He abides with us. Um, so, you know, if you haven't received Jesus in your Lord, as your Lord and Savior, that's easy to do. You know, Romans says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And that starts your journey. You know, you can do that right now. You can meet with someone on the prayer team when service ends. They'll be up here and they can help you pray through that. You know, you can begin your journey of encountering the Father's love for you and starting that ongoing relationship. You know, and if you have those two, you can wait for the Holy Spirit. You can encounter the Holy Spirit. You know, and that is awesome. It is a promise. It is power. You know, the Holy Spirit's talked about as a comforter. You know, and you know, just in my life, I've experienced God's comfort through the Holy Spirit where I never had it before, and it is transformational. So let's just take a second. You know, picture your three-legged stool. You know, what are, what are the what shape are the legs in? You know, are you missing a leg? <laughs> and just ask God, God, would you would you reveal your Father's heart to me? Yeah. That leg of my stool needs work. You know, you do that work, God. I'll receive that from you. I'll let you father me. You know, or if you don't know Jesus, Jesus, I don't know you, but this sounds good. Let's start, you know. I'll receive you as Lord and Savior. What does that look like? Or God, you know, we've walked together, but I haven't experienced your power. I've walked without comfort. I'm going to wait on your Holy Spirit. Just take a second right now to wait. God, we wait for your Holy Spirit right now. We just wait for you. We want to encounter... All of who you are, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The fullness of you is welcome in our hearts. We make space for you. We make time for you right now. And God, we commit our lives to live a life that waits for you. God, before I go and tackle a task, you know, or the responsibilities of my day, I want to just wait for you. I want to go with you and not get ahead of you. I want to walk in your power. I want to walk a life connected to you, God. I commit to do that in Jesus' name. To live a life of waiting and going in in power. Going with you, God. Yeah. God, thank you that you're good. Thank you that you're trustworthy. Thank you that you love us, that you're available to us on every level and in every way that we need. God, thank you that your jurisdiction is all. No matter the circumstance that we come up against, you have jurisdiction, God. Let us be your agents in that situation. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you can continue to pray into that. Like I said, the the prayer team's coming up.